welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. This one's a little bit different because I'm recording video for this. Now, if you've listened to a couple of the podcast episodes, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that I've wanted to do video for the podcast for a really long time. And it had stopped me from starting the podcast a while ago. I, a couple of episodes back, I had recorded a video. It was my disaster episode that I never released the episode because I recorded it about five times and none of them were good. But today is the day, I guess, that I'm recording video. So we'll see how this goes. It's extremely windy today. Um, as I'm recording this. So I do have a microphone fairly close to me, so hopefully it doesn't pick up too much background noise. Why am I recording the video today? I don't know, really. Um, Hopefully, as part of my content plan, I can share this on Instagram as well, change things up a little bit, tick off the goal of recording video for the podcast. I felt like I had to have the perfect setup perfect background. Whenever you see podcasts, you know, they've always got these cool backgrounds or cool lighting. And I thought, no, I'm just going to whack my phone on my Kmart tripod and chuck a chair in a corner of a room that has lighting, good lighting and do it. And the funny thing is just talking about content. I'm not someone who can plan content very well. I really do fly by the seat of my pants and I was listening to a podcast, um, Denise Duffield Thomas's podcast, actually, she's a huge fan of batching content and a lot of content creators out there will also talk about batching content. This is not a new thing, but for her particularly, she finds it really helpful. And I get the arguments, I get the pros and cons for batching, right? It's Um, all done in a short space of time. You're not then relying on how you feel on a particular day to do it. But for some reason, I just cannot get my head around it. I cannot create a lot of content to batch. So a lot of the stuff I do is I have a thought and then I share it. And even the point of this story is that even with this podcast, I think I mentioned in the episode last time, that I'd put together a bit of a schedule of what I wanted to talk about for the next couple of episodes. And literally as I was pressing record on this um, video, I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I did that scheduling of all the topics that I wanted to talk about for the next six or so weeks. And I didn't even look at it today. (laughs) I've just come up with something that I want to talk about today and I'm going to record it. So that's a little bit of insight into my mind and how my marketing works. Sometimes it works well. Um, other times, yeah, the, the biggest downside is that when you do it that way, is that you rely on how you feel that day. And sometimes I will go patches of time with posting nothing because I'm just not in the mood or there's other things that are taking my focus. So if you're like me and you do that, welcome to the club and Um, yeah, that's kind of what has been in my mind today. And I create all kind of weird content, weird content as well. So I actually videoed a vlog for about a week and I haven't even published that yet because, uh, 
I don't really like exactly how it turned out. So that's one of those things that has sat in the draft and maybe we'll never see the light of day. So that stuff happens as well. But on another front, I spoke at the Newcastle Virtual Assistance Conference about a week ago. So that's mid-September, if you're not listening to this in September. And it was really fun. So I got to talk to, there was a room full of 50 virtual assistants um, from all over the place. So not all from Newcastle. And I spoke about legal essentials. As you can imagine, terms and conditions featured pretty heavily in there, but I also touched on intellectual property as well. And it was a really great um, session. Um, thankfully, people enjoyed it because I had a few people come up and say they enjoyed it. I did have to compete with some whales that were breaching <laughs> off Newcastle Beach um, that had captured everyone's attention. So that's what happens when you have venues like um Noah's at the beach which is right on on the water so that was yeah that was really great so off that off the back of that I have my own event coming up on the 11th of October which is called the art of sharing I'll pop some details in the show notes for that but I wanted to talk a little bit about that event today and also some things around intellectual property so I've actually been working on the event this morning, which has kind of prompted this podcast. As I said, I do everything in the moment, not always the best strategy, but I was thinking about um, intellectual property is a huge, huge topic. And I want to make sure that people will know what they're going to get from coming to the event. So I've created a bit of a page where you can kind of check that out. As As I said, I'll put that in the show notes. But if you're interested and you're listening to this, what I'm going to cover in The Art of Sharing are some of the key things that you need to know about intellectual property. Every business owner comes to business with different skills and experience. We don't all come with a business background. I think that's the great thing about business is that it's really easy for people to get started. But we always need to keep in mind that There are gaps in our knowledge. There are things that we don't know. And sometimes we seek out information on the internet. Sometimes we know friends who have gone through similar situations or have given us their experiences. Sometimes we learn by making mistakes. So when I talk about intellectual property and particularly for this event, The Art of Sharing, the things that I want to talk about that I think are some of the essential learnings that you should know as a business owner. So the first thing is around what copyright is and what it isn't. Copyright seems like a huge beast and it is to some extent and there's lots of different information out there. So if you come to the event, we're going to be talking about what actually is copyright? How does it, why does it matter to me? How does it make sense for my business? Do I even have any copyright? Those kinds of things. I also want to talk to people about monetizing their intellectual property. So if you're especially a course creator or a creative, it's pretty clear that you're using your brain, you're creating your own intellectual property. And sometimes when I'm talking to business owners, 
they haven't thought of all the different ways they can monetize that intellectual property. So I think that's a really interesting topic to share with people as well. So we'll go into a bit uh, about that. I want to talk about what you can do if someone does use your copyright and how to approach that and also go through the process of trademarking. So you might hear people say, oh, you need to get your brand name trademarked or your logo trademarked. But what does that actually mean? What are the benefits of having a trademark? Is it hard to get a trademark? And go, really go through that process with you. So the idea is to give you some really um, practical and valuable knowledge that you can take into your business. The tricky thing with these types of things is that sometimes we don't think it will apply to us or oh, I don't need to worry about that yet or I'm not really, you know, I'm not really sold on my business now. I don't know if I want to trademark that yet. But if we leave things too long, we then become reactionary to things and that can open a whole different kettle of fish and mean different things for our business at different stages. So I have some notes here too by the way, which when I'm not recording video, I can get away with sneaking a look at my notes, but here's my notebook. So that's a bit of a wrap up of what the event, what you'll learn at the event. The other big thing that I want people to know about the event is you'll get a chance with, to connect with other people. So at my first event, Flourish and Thrive, the main focus of that event was sharing business journeys, there was some practical advice, but it was talking about our ups and downs and creating that space for people to connect and to meet other people. So I think that's a really important part of anyone's business journey is it can be pretty isolating if you work for yourself. Even if you've got a small team, we need connection, right? We're human beings. We, we crave that community and connection. So I think creating these spaces where people are all have similar kind of aspirations and goals is really nice. So that's the other thing is it's a chance to kind of meet with different people as well, which I think is a really important part too. So that's the event, you know, what you can expect, what we're going to learn, um, you know, the connection and community that you'll get as well. But what I wanted to talk about and focus on a bit for this podcast is some of the negative side effects of, I guess, putting our head in the sand. Because a lot, of, I, I consider myself a pretty positive person. I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of gal. But I don't like to focus and I don't like to focus too much on the negative. So in a lot of the content that I do, I'm trying to help people with proactive solutions and to help them see the positive side of things. But I guess with the type of work that I do, there's not uh, necessarily a deadline that might exist with this kind of stuff. For some of the work I do, there's really clear external deadlines or external time pressures. So if I'm working on a lease with a client, the external pressure or time deadline is that they want to start in that new space. They want to open a shop. They want to get into an office space. There's a date that we need to do things by. So that just creates that natural timeline and date that it's all going to be done. The same with property. So I help people buy and sell their homes and same kind of thing. There's a date that we're working towards that has been kind of picked by an external factor. But when I'm working with people 
on terms and conditions, for example, there's not a there's no real deadline for that. You might think, oh, I'll get to that one day, or oh, I know that's important, but I need to spend money here first. And I think there are probably two main categories of clients that I see when I'm a Um, I'm helping them with something like terms and conditions. And intellectual property comes into this as well. There's the client who has been burned before. They probably have had one too many clients not pay them or they've got a course or a membership where their members have taken the content and shared it or they've started their own course using the exact same content or they're selling content through their website that they've got they've gotten through their course. And that is a, a bit of a reactionary trigger, right? You see someone selling your course, changing maybe the color and the name of it, but essentially it's the content that you created and they had access to through you. So there's that side of it. The next client is the one that's a bit more proactive. They know that these things are important to get advice on. So with terms and conditions, for example, maybe they've had a friend or a close business friend go through this issue. And that happens quite a lot. People will come to me and say, oh, someone I know has just gone through this really horrible experience and I just don't want to have to deal with that. So now I'm getting it sorted. So that's the second kind of scenario that comes up. For the client that's been burnt before, often they know the cost involved. And what I want to kind of talk to you today about is the cost of not knowing about copyright, the cost of not understanding some basics about intellectual property. If you've gone through that process where you've been burnt before, it's probably going to feel like I know all of the costs, right? There's legal costs. So you're going to be spending hundreds, if not thousands on legal fees to try and get the advice, but then secondly, try and do something about the copycat. There's the emotional toll as well. You know, when these things happen, you're stepping into something that's unfamiliar to you, the legal system. And there's a lot of fear and overwhelm that comes with that because you're now being pushed into the dispute side of the legal system, not the transaction side, which is what I mostly work with where we're being proactive and we're working on documents. You're already heading into a scenario where there's, we call it, you know, adversarial, right? You're fighting with someone straight up. A lot of people don't like confrontation. So there's that side, your own emotional well-being. The other side is also the cost to your business. Now you have to focus on maybe meeting with a lawyer. You're trying to track what this person, this copycat is doing, retracing the information and trying to get all your ducks lined up so you can do something about it. And when you're doing that, you're taking time out of your business. And I guess this ties into my um, comments about content creation. If you happen to be someone like me who doesn't batch their content, imagine trying then to market your business, sell your services, create content when you're in a heightened emotional state. And behind the scenes, it feels like your business is crumbling. In reality, it's probably not. It's just a thing that you have to get through. But it causes that interruption to not only your current clients that you've got to continue 
helping them and servicing their needs. But the outward facing to the world, people get very gun shy, I guess, about talking about their service if they're going through something like this. So hopefully that can kind of get you to see, okay, we're not just talking about a legal cost here. There's lots of other things it can impact. And I think if you're the type of person that's been sitting on the fence or waiting for the right time to learn about these things, it's good to have that in your mind to give a bit of perspective. And at the end of the day, I always say my job is to tell you about risks. And this is all I'm doing is telling you about the risks of not doing something. I can't make a decision for you. I'm not going to say, okay, here are all the risks. You must go and buy a ticket to the art of sharing, or you must go and see a lawyer about your copyright and intellectual property. You have to make the choice that is best for you. But I strongly believe that any decisions or choices that we make need to come from a place of knowledge and information. And often business owners are making these decisions to wait or to not do anything about it, especially when it comes to terms and conditions, because they're not fully informed about the risks of not doing something. And I see it a lot with clients that I work with, especially that are creating courses or a membership where they're providing you know, maybe monthly content to their members. You probably have spent years collecting that knowledge and those skills. Then you've probably spent weeks, maybe months, maybe years again, creating this course or the content that you're going to deliver to people. And it's really not a nice feeling when someone takes that and uses it as their own. And it's funny, I read a book recently by Austin Kleon called Steal Like an Artist. It's a great little book if you get a chance to read it. It's really short. He uses a lot of drawings and um, I loved reading that book from a lawyer's perspective. Because if you think of the words, steal like an artist, you probably would immediately go, okay, well, that's the wrong thing to do, right? His book is about finding inspiration from other people and I guess cultivating your skills as an artist. So he's not advocating for copy cats, okay, <laughs> just to be clear. But it's really interesting for me to read that through my legal lens. And especially in that book, he talks about, you know, finding inspiration, making it your own, crediting people where you're taking, you know, bits from them uh, to create your own work. So I think a lot of business owners are fearful that, oh, it just happens all the time. People copy things. I just need to get on with life. And that's true to some extent. And I see business coaches actually spreading this message a lot. We should just not worry about the copycats. Let's just focus on your work and you can lead the way. They'll never be able to replicate you. And I do love that sentiment because we are all individual and no one can really copy our essence of who we are. But again, I think that any decision, that's a pretty big decision we need to make in our business, needs to come from a place of knowledge. And sometimes there are some negative impacts of letting people get away with or using our content in a way 
that's not legally appropriate. Often, actually, the most common uh, way that people come to me if they've had someone copy their work is not by them finding it. It's actually their clients. That might be really surprising. So often the scenario goes like this. A client will send me an email and sometimes the email subject line says help. I'm not joking, by the way. And they will say to me, Amelia, help. Someone has copied my work and they're selling it as a course or a membership or as a downloadable content. And once I speak to them, we go through, okay, how, where did you find, um, how did you find this out? You know, we kind of track back and create a bit of a timeline. And most often, probably nine times out of 10, a current member of their course or a client of theirs saw the content, thought it was actually the original creator's content and then told them about it and said, oh, hey, I thought you were doing this new thing. But once I looked into it, I realized it was someone else using your work. Now, this is quite stressful for the business owner because we can't be in all places at all times. And sometimes we want to make sure that we're not allowing or setting up a bit of a standard that if people come and go from our course, they can just use that however they like. So it's not about going into battle every time you notice someone's copying your work. And I think this is where the message gets mixed. We're not going into battle every single time someone copies our work, but there are reasons why you might want to address it. The first one is brand reputation. People can genuinely get confused by copycats and maybe it might not detract too much from the financial side of your business, but it can slowly affect your um, brand reputation. You want to set a standard of behavior in your course or membership or even your one-to-one services about how the work that you create for someone can be used. I will say most people are naive to intellectual property, but that doesn't excuse them using it for their own profit or gain. So it's a part, part of it is educating the people that you're working with on what to, um, what to expect and how to use it. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts, this kind of comes back to my new tagline for terms and conditions, which is boundaries and expectations. It's crosses over to a lot of the legal scenarios that we come across, right? If we want to talk to someone about how they're going to use our, our intellectual property, we're just telling them what the boundaries are and what our expectations are. Do you want to let them use work in a certain way, but you want to be credited um, specifically on it or tagged on it? You know, that kind of stuff. So what I'm trying to get at here and give you the picture is that we can't just have a blanket statement. We don't need to worry about copycats. Let's just get on with it. We need to understand that sometimes we do have to take a stand and part of that can be preventative where we're educating the people that we're working with. And sometimes it's reminding people of those obligations if we notice things coming up um, and doing that in a way that is not going to cause you a lot of stress and anxiety. Like I said earlier, when people are often thrown into these situations without having an understanding of intellectual property, they feel very stressed and overwhelmed. But there's clients that I've worked with where we've gone through 
a particular process, maybe it was their terms and conditions. And then they feel much more comfortable saying, okay, this has happened. How can we deal with it? What are the next steps? So to tie that all into the event, the art of sharing, I know that not everyone can work one-on-one with me. I am only one person and I really strongly believe in sharing legal knowledge. And that's why I want to do this in an event um, format. So I really think that we all should learn different things about running a business. um, And this one is particularly important. So think about those risks when you're choosing not to look at these parts of your business, because whenever we choose not to do something, it's still a choice. So not to be too negative, (laughs) hopefully it wasn't too much of a downer, but I think knowing some of the risks, I'm a big fan of pros and cons list as well. It can help you make the decision of, okay, now's the right time to take the first step and get a bit more knowledge on this area. So if you're interested in the event, The Art of Sharing, you can check out the information in the link below. You can also talk to me um, if you're ready to take the next step and get your terms and conditions sorted. I have a free 20 minute call where we talk about where your business is at and how I can help. And then I give you a fixed fee for what we're gonna do. So there's no obligations after that free 20 minute call. We can just chat and that's it. So if you're interested to book one of those calls, I will put the information in the link below. But that's all for me. And I'll either catch you at the Art of Sharing event or on the next podcast.